Hey there, welcome to the Next Level Nutrition Biz Podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Long, business coach for nutritionists. I help nutritionists just like you create and launch their business and sign their first high-paying client. In this podcast, you'll learn practical strategies to start and grow your nutrition business that you can implement right away. You'll also hear from a ton of guests who have started their own thriving nutrition businesses and share what they've learned throughout their journey. Let's get started. Really happy to have you here for today's podcast episode. I am chatting with Ashley Norris from Soulful Sprout Holistic Nutrition, all about the three biggest mistakes that she made in her first year as a holistic nutritionist. We have a real conversation about the challenges when starting your business. She shares some things that happened to her that she doesn't want to happen to you and is really honest and truthful about that first year in business. So Ashley um, and the Soulful Sprout Holistic Nutrition business that she has focuses on food, herbs, self-care practices, energy healing, and other modalities to create sustainable methods of healing with her clients. Um, Her personal journey back from cancer and autoimmune disease in her 20s are a testament to the powerful work she does and her passion for deep healing. She does share a little bit about her her own cancer journey story, um, so stay tuned for that. So she's here today to share with you guys how she grew her practice in just two years to full-time, working in two naturopath clinics, hosting over 30 workshops and retreats along the way. More importantly, she is sharing those three big mistakes that she made along the way, and she's going to help you to save time, money, and valuable energy in starting your own nutrition practice. So let's get started. Ashley, thank you so much for being here to be on the podcast today. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm really excited to have you on. I'm so, so thankful that um, you actually reached out to me to want to be on the podcast. I think that was incredible. I couldn't believe that you were asking to be on it. I was so excited that you would. I was like, of course you can be on. (laughs) So thank you so much for coming. Um, I would love it if you could just start out by telling us a little bit about who you are, um, how you started in nutrition. And then today we're really going to talk about, you know, your first year in practice. But if you could just start out telling us a little bit about yourself, that would be amazing. Yeah, absolutely. First of all, it's my pleasure to be on here. It's one of the, I have, you know, like the five or six go-to podcasts that I regularly consume. And I try not to take in too much business advice because like so many people, it becomes overwhelming and confusing after a while, but I always find myself coming back to your podcast. So um, I thought it would be a great opportunity to hop on here and share a little bit more about um, being a nutritionist behind the scenes. Um, But how I got started was really based on my own healing journey. And um, I was kind of plagued with thyroid issues, specifically Hashimoto, since I was 19 years old. And in my late 20s, I ended up with thyroid cancer. And my healing journey through um, managing an autoimmune disease and then cancer um, and just kind of coming back to myself brought me to nutrition school. And from there, I have had this, um, I guess, like an insatisfiable thirst for nutrition in all forms, but really helping people and um, helping them kind of navigate some of the scarier moments of their life while they're dealing with major hormonal issues. Um, And my practice is really based in hormonal balance and uh, chronic disease. Wow. Yeah. I think it's always incredible when somebody's gone through um, a health challenge. And in your case, you know, the big kind of scary health challenge, like that cancer word, I don't know. Did you feel like that was kind of 
I don't know how to word this other than like the worst thing that could happen to you because I know that that's that feeling sometimes I get of that scary cancer word. How did you feel? Absolutely. I mean, um, cancer is one of those things that really does rock us to our core and it takes away to the fundamental, um, I think, things that all humans need to thrive. And that is really a sense of hope and a sense of security. Um, and once you lose those two things in your health or any areas of your life, um, you know, our mind starts to spiral and we get really overwhelmed and pretty scary. So during those times, it was definitely the scarier moments of my life. Um, but it was also such a gift. And I'm really lucky to be one of the cancer survivors that can say that there's so many people that are, you know, losing their lives and losing a big part of their lives to, to, you know, the scary cancer. And um, I'm, I really feel like it was a blessing. It definitely woke me up. It, uh, you know, transformed my life from uh, like on every angle. And it also was the beginning of the Soulful Sprout and uh, my journey in helping to support other people and, um, and help other people navigate their own cancer challenges as well. Yeah, I absolutely love that you took, you know, your quote unquote mess or what had happened to you or your pain or your background and really turned it into that empowering thing to help other people. I think that's truly amazing because so many of us don't know how to take what we've gone through and actually help other people with that. So the fact that you've done that is truly incredible. Oh, thank you. Thanks. Yeah, no, I'm and I'm so grateful to that. Um, you are doing what you're doing, you know, helping women with their hormone challenges and any cancer diagnoses and things like that. You know, it, these are so needed things. And I think kind of on the flip side, you know, going through this really big health challenge um, and then coming out the other side and still creating a business, like going through that whole business building journey, you know, that could knock anyone down. So the fact that you kind of just like took all of these challenges on um, is pretty amazing. You know, do you think that there's a reason, like, is there something inside of you that kind of drives you to keep going and keep pushing yourself in this journey? Oh, absolutely. I think we all have a purpose. Like our, I call it our soul's purpose or, you know, a sacred contract, what we're here to do. And I definitely think that I'm here to um, be of service and support people who are going through some of those darker days and darker times and just really bring a sense of ease and simplicity to their life um, while they navigate these kind of challenges. So um, I definitely think that that's part of my purpose. And that is what part of part of a big part of, sorry, uh, you know, what drives me forward and uh, really pushes me towards a constant level of uh, next level of success in my business. Mm-hmm. Definitely to have that bigger vision is so important. So the reason you're here today is to talk all about those first kind of big mistakes that you feel like you might have made in your first year as a holistic nutritionist. And I know that this is a hot topic because it, number one, it's that isn't talked about all the time, um, which is unfortunate. You know, a lot of people are only looking at, you know, somebody's step, uh, step 10 and thinking, well, why aren't I there yet? Right. You know, they've just started out and they're already wondering why they're not making, you know, 10K a month and why they don't have 100 clients on their roster. Um, and that's one really big thing that I really want to talk about today, you know, the reality of what it actually looks like. So, why don't we just get started with, you know, what is that first big mistake you feel that you made as a as a new holistic nutritionist in the field? 
Yeah, I love that you talked about looking at step 10 because I think that's so important. And I personally do this all the time. I feel like it might seem when you look at other people's businesses that they have it all figured out. And this feeling comes up when we look at, you know, these nutritionists who have been out doing things for five or 10 years, um, that their business is perfect and that you're really never going to get there. So um, I wanted to come on here and share some of those truths behind all the mistakes that I've made along the way. Not all of them, but some of the things. <laughs> And really kind of pull back the curtains on that. Um, And I'd say my biggest, one of the bigger mistakes that I make, uh, shout out to my inner perfectionist, is really um, worrying about making everything perfect before I'm ready. So this you may relate to as, you know, um, having to have all the forms and the protocols ready and um, really defined and even templated. Um, maybe you have worry that you have to have a program before you get your first client or you have to, you know, be perfect before you um, host your first workshop. And so this was a real big one for me. Um, and it still continues to be because I do have this intense um, perfectionist um, part of my personality that I struggle with on a daily basis. For your practice and your business, one of the um, best things you can give yourself is a little bit of grace, but also the um, message that you're going to be in this continual state of evolution, that you're going to be literally making improvements on your business every time you move through one client through a program or every time you do one protocol or every time you read through one intake form. Um, And every client that comes your way, every workshop, every event is really this opportunity to learn and transform and uh, really grow your business and uh, get one step closer to, to it looking the way that you really want it to look, which hopefully is perfect. Yeah, that's so true. And I can 150% relate to the perfectionist thing. Um, I'm a total perfectionist as well. And this has been one of the hardest things for me to work on in my own business. Um, because what I realized was perfect's not helping anybody. It's not helping myself and it's not helping my clients because when you're trying to be perfect, you're really withholding um, everything until the point of time where you're ready. And I really don't think that there's anything like such as being ready. Like I don't think we're ever really ready. And so many of us hold ourselves back until that point um, when we could have been helping people that whole time and refining our skill set, just like you said. Um So yeah, I'm kind of over that whole idea of like, we need to be ready. And instead of just being in that mentality, it's like, how can I just jump in and do like imperfect action at this point of time? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, one thing I learned the hard way and um, anybody who's coming out of nutrition school can probably relate, like having these perfect protocols and having this perfect plan for delivery and this perfect booking software and all those types of things um, seem like they are essential. And the truth is that you really need to find the perfect connection with your client and the perfect client. Um, and that is more important than having any of the systems or anything else up and going. So really making sure that you're approaching your client through a coaching mentality and really supportive because those first few clients that all you're thinking about is how perfect do they look? Do I look legit? And those types of things all they really want is to be fully supported. So that was one of the mistakes I made in my early days is not really leaning in as a coach and being really supportive and nurturing because I was too stuck up in my head about how does this look? How are they seeing me when they look at me on the video call? Do I look professional and all those things? But meanwhile, you really need to drop into your heart and just start to serve clients from that place as well. 
Yeah, it's so, so true. And I love how you brought up that idea of you need to step into the coach role. And I'm not sure if you can relate. I know we went to different nutrition schools, but in the school that I went to, it was a lot more of a learning about protocols, how to help the client, how to interconnect all the body systems. And it was a really, really great um, learning tool for helping people with these deeper health issues. But the coaching aspect wasn't really there. And that's something that I had to pick up um, through time, through seeing clients. And I really realized that like people just, like you said, want to be heard. They want to be seen. They want to be like sat with and they want to be listened to because that's the number one thing I would hear from my clients is that, um, is that, you know, thank you so much for just listening. Did you, do you find that you get that a lot? Like people just want to be listened to and be heard? Absolutely. Yeah. I think that, you know, if I were to go back and redo some of the programming in my school, which seemed to be a lot like yours in just teaching us how to be these really uh, functional practitioners and looking at things from a strategic, symptomatic place, um, you know, a class or a course I would really bring in is like compassionate listening, just Mm -hmm. like being able to hold space and just really showing up for people without telling them your stories or telling them, you know, it's okay. And like kind of the toxic positivity that we sometimes spew out in uncomfortable moments um, and those types of things. And just really learning to listen and how to um, show up for people when they're going through some tough times. And um, a big thing is unless you've been there and you've been through some of those tough times, that could even be more challenging for the average person as well. Cause you don't even really know what people need until you've been through it and you're like, all I needed was a support system. All I needed was somebody to listen to me. All I needed was someone to say, oh my gosh, that's so, that's so awful. I'm so sorry. Mm -hmm. Yeah. To really just sit with it instead of brush it off or cover it up. Um, I think you're right. It's that we kind of then, this is probably a whole other topic we could talk about another time, but that idea that, um, nutrition is just not nutrition. It's not just food. There's so much beyond that, so much emotional layers that are connected to what we're doing with our clients. But um, a lot of the time we can't go there, right? Number one, a lot of the time it's not within our scope of practice. Um, Mm -hmm. Or number two, um, we we don't know how to go there emotionally because we haven't been, you know, to that place, you know, we haven't really dug in and seen those other layers that are going on for us. So sometimes it's really hard to help our clients on that deeper level when we haven't been there or when we're not sure what those boundaries or lines are. But that being said, I 100% agree that um, coaching and being with your client and just being with the emotion is one of the most important things. And it, and it really goes back to, you know, they're not asking for you to be perfect. They're just asking for you to be there with them and to, you know, do as much as you can for them um, and really hold that space for them. Yeah, absolutely. And even in doing that, it seems like really risky and vulnerable and kind of going back to that perfectionist thing where we feel like maybe we don't know how to do that. But the more we practice doing that in small and subtle supportive ways, the more we get confidence in actually being able to show up as that um, that level of practitioner as well, which is really powerful. Mm-hmm. It's like that muscle. We just need to, you know... <laughs> My analogies are not that great, but I was going to say, we just need to lift the weight for a little bit. And the weight is like seeing clients, putting the work in, you know, um, making the protocols, doing all the things that make a nutrition business. We just have to keep practicing them and building that muscle until it feels more normal, until it feels like we have a handle on it. But it's probably going to feel like a lot of messy action right at the beginning. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. And, and along the way too, you know, as you get different types of people and um, going through different phases of challenges in their life, right? Mm-hmm. You're so right. It's not just, okay, everything's re- um, ready and set and good to go. And I've went through all the challenges and now everything's perfect. It's like the layers of evolution in the business. Like I think you said earlier, where we're constantly refining, we're constantly learning more and applying that. And, um, you know, the first little bit of your business is probably going to feel messy and you're probably not going to feel like you're showing up in the best way you can for your clients because we need to learn what's working and what's not working. You know, it doesn't always come natural from the beginning. So um, I don't know about you, but for me, it looked really messy at the beginning. Yeah, I think mine looked, I waited a little bit with the perfectionist side, but mine looked very like strategic Mm -hmm. and overwhelming. (laughs) Like some days I almost think about calling my first client who's so sweet. Uh, I still work with her periodically and just like deeply apologizing (laughs) for how I presented her first protocol because it was that like I had that perfectionist hat on, you know, and I wasn't really being like, is this realistic to where you're at? Does this feel supportive? Does this feel like something you could do? It was just like, here, do this, do this. Here's all the answers to all your problems. And this is how you're going to move from like being the way that you are to being the way I think that you should feel. Yes. Um, You know, and that's, that's what we're taught in school, but that is not how we support people. And so um, that's where it's kind of pays to like kick that perfectionist to the curb and be like, okay, I got to meet people where they are. And I got to meet myself where I am too. Yes. That is so true. I love that you said that. Um, yes, I definitely feel that wanting to call my first few clients and apologize. Thankfully, a lot of them were my cousins and family friends. So like, I'm pretty sure we're all good and they're not holding anything against me. But definitely, um, I was the same way where I like over delivered and I didn't really give um, like strategic advice on like how they could accomplish something. I was just mm-hmm. like, here's the information and like leaving it to them to decode it. So do you find that now your practice maybe looks a little different from you just like brain dumping everything on them? Like you could do these 10 million things that might help you. And now it's a little bit more asking them, you know, what works, what doesn't and giving them smaller steps to take to towards their bigger health goal. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And now I work mostly based on a 12 week program. Um, So really strategically introducing things at um, in a slow, sustainable way, and then checking in, like, how does that feel? How is that working for you? How many times were you able to like, hit this marker? Um, Is that marker too high? Is that too low? Um, Versus before I was just like, here is your protocol, 12 pages of everything I know. (laughs) Sorry. I, we should just hang out together and talk about like how you're not succeeding on this for the next three months because it was unrealistic. Um, and so, you know, that, that changed really quickly when I saw that people weren't getting the level of success they wanted, um, because other people's success is indicative of my own success as a practitioner. Um, so I shifted that really quickly, but if you compare to my first two, you know, one I did last week, um, night and day for sure. Yeah, for yeah, it makes so much sense. And I laugh because it's just I can see myself so much in what you're saying. And that, <laughs> and that feeling of like, here's everything that I know. Um, and I want you and it really does come from this loving place. Like we all get into nutrition, um, more or less because we have this deep, um, you know, either our own health background or something driving us to want to learn about it. And then all we want to do is share what we know. 
I know I just have this feeling of like, I cannot keep this inside of me. Other people need to know this and they need to help other people. But helping other people doesn't mean, like you said, giving them a 12 page overview of every body system that's out of balance, you know, that isn't really helping. It's yeah, the smaller sustainable step. So I'm really glad that you brought that up. Yeah, absolutely. So what would be the next mistake that you feel like you might have made in your first year as a holistic nutritionist? Hmm. Okay, so the next biggie is really putting money in all the wrong places. Um, And by this, I don't mean wrong, like you're going to have to spend your money on certain things um, as you evolve as a practitioner anyways, but really being strategic about where to invest and when to invest and why. Um, And when I look back over my expenses over the past uh, few years, I can really see how I could have better prioritized uh, my business spending um, and maybe held off on a couple of things that I even wasn't ready for energetically or professionally um, where I kind of like dump money into thinking, uh, oh, I need this or this is exciting and this is shiny and things like that. Mm-hmm. Can you think off um, the top of your head some of those things that you might have put money into that you wish you waited on? Yes. So pretty much every like webinar I attended in the first like year of practice, because I got really thirsty. I was like, everybody has a knowledge and I don't have any. And I was always looking outside of myself for answers and knowledge. And what I realized is I was looking outside of myself for support because I thought by going to this webinar that it would give me this like momentum and support in it, like doing things. But all it did was tell me how to do things, but it didn't tell me like when or really support me. Like there was no follow-up being like, so four weeks after that webinar, how's your Squarespace website going? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, You know, things like that. So you were, I was just kind of putting money out, which is great. You know, I love programs. I love online training. Um, I think that there's tools out there that we all need, but really being cautious, like, do I need this right now? And how is this going to help me in the next three months really up-level my business so I can serve people better? Hmm. Yeah. Um, and you need to know how you work too, right? Some people might be able to just like um, get this dump of information and then like implement, 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 right? Um, I know personally, I work better with a mentor or a coach. And that's when my business really took off is when I started investing money in mentors or coaches. Is that what you're talking about here? Like you wish that you had invested in someone to help you implement or were you thinking something different? No. So I actually am also an implementer, um, but I also um, tend to get really overwhelmed. So I have like 500 ideas about the things that I should implement in my business I had. And I was like, I need to do them all right now because Mm -hmm. like this is what successful business people do. They have it all together. You know, looking at somebody who is already on their their like level 10 of their business. And I was feeling like, you know, I was on level two. Um, So just getting excited about the potential of like, being able to have a marketing plan, having a click funnel, like having all of these group programs and workshops and just like having everything shiny at once. Um, so kind of breaking it down into like what's digestible for me right now? Where do I need to put my money from a strategic standpoint? And for some people that is coaching, some people that is having a mentor or, um, you know, a consultant or somebody to help them grow their business in the ways that they don't know how to. Um, but some people, it's also just like mindful consumption. We talk about this in the food industry so much, but we don't really talk about it in the business growth industry. Um, you know, we get really hungry and thirsty for for growth. So we just buy all of these things to help us get there um, at once often. Yeah, that's so true. I was totally um, 
a webinar junkie as well. I watched all of them. I go to a cafe, I pop my headphones in and I would just watch webinar after webinar. And then I'd sit there and be like, I'd be dead. Like my like brain would be on fire and I'd be excited, but I'd be like, okay, what do I even do with this information? And I remember like, clearly this is actually one of the biggest reasons why I started this coaching business to help other nutritionists. It's because I remember being like, okay, this is all great. Um, this is, this sounds really good, but how do I actually implement this all? And what does this all even mean for me? And I got really stuck in that cycle or that funnel of like, yeah, just like you're saying, consume, consume, consume. But then like, I feel terrible because I have nothing to do with everything I now know. So I felt like it was a little bit detrimental on me. And I really do recommend now, um, my clients, you know, try to cut out the noise as much as possible. And just like you were saying, like, tune into what you really need and feel and seek the help of someone, you know, if you feel like you really need that direction. A hundred percent. And I was really lucky to come from a entrepreneurial background and have some experience in building businesses um, in my past life, you know, in the, in my past career, I call it my past life. Cause I feel like my life evolved so much in the past four years since getting sick, but um, I didn't have to, you know, go and invest in a coach or someone like yourself um, to help me grow my business in the early days, because I already had a lot of clear insights in how to do that. And really lucky to have a partner who is also um, a really talented entrepreneur who helps me and guides me a lot as well. But that's um, one of the things that I think that people really need to consider if you want to have a successful business. And in those scary, in those early days, it feels scary because you're like, invest how much and what? You know, and it feels like, how can I, how can I do that when I'm not there yet? But um, that's one of the big things about putting money in all the wrong places is making sure that you're putting money strategically in the right places that are going to have a turnaround and a profit for you and investing in a coach or, you know, a a group program to really help launch you and catapult you into the business that you want to have. If you truly don't know where to start, um, you're going to see the results and like, you know, the return on investment fairly quickly when it comes to um, having a successful nutrition practice. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You might just get there a little bit faster. So I'm super curious um, if you were to start again, let's take you back to when you first started um, your nutrition business, knowing what you know now, where would you put your money or what would you invest in? Um, You can talk about whatever you want here, even if it's like specific programs um, that you might actually put your money into. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So there's a few key things that I have discovered along the way that sometimes I wish I discovered them like, you know, in back in nutrition school, I actually did my own website. It's a Squarespace website back in May, which was, I guess, like six months before I graduated of 2017. And so my website was up and running before I graduated nutrition school, which was key. Mm -hmm. I did it all myself. I don't recommend doing it all yourself. Um, But I do recommend investing in a website of some nature. People need to have a space to um, learn about you and your services. And Instagram is not where people are going to learn about you and your services and take you seriously from a place where they're going to buy something from you. So website is huge. Um, and investing in some form of website. You don't have to have a $10,000 website, by the way, to have a good website, um, but just have even a two-page website where it's like, this is who I am and these are the services that I offer. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think website is key. Yeah, it's huge. And um, beyond that, I mean, anywhere you're at in your business, start a social media presence. Uh, that is huge. You want to really find your people 
Um, you want to find people that are going to need you, but also a community of supportive people. That's how I connected with you mm-hmm. um, that are really going to kind of cheer you on and support you along the way as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so social media. And that doesn't mean you need to post some great photo with some incredible caption every single day. Like don't trick yourself into that mindset, but just be there and, um, you know, cultivate that community that you're looking for because in turn that community will, will be what supports you and your business going forward. Yeah, definitely. I think community is super key. I'm super curious because, um, one thing I noticed, I I totally am all for not having a super curated Instagram feed. I mean, (laughs) that's probably my weakest link. I'm just like, don't have a lot of content, a lot of photos. So I just post what makes me happy. Um, but one thing that I did notice, you know, when you sent me some of your headshots to use for the for the podcast, um, I just was like blown away. Number one, this probably sounds really weird, but you're just beautiful. So I was like, wow, these are gorgeous photos. But also just like I got such a sense of you in your photos. I think it like really helped me to connect with you. And there was um, your personality and the sense of who you are really came out. So what I'm getting at here is do you feel like doing a photo shoot is one of those expenses you should invest in early on? I do and I don't. So nowadays, it really depends on like what you have access to, um, because a lot of people have like Insta friends or Insta hubbies who are like amazing at capturing these great shots of them um, really in their true essence and some great lifestyle photos or headshots. And that really comes naturally to either someone in their friend group or social circle that they could maybe barter or pay directly um, when they're first starting out, you know, when funds are a little bit tight. But um, I'll be honest, I've done two big photo shoots. Uh, One was in the winter indoors and the other was in the summer outdoors. So I've kind of covered my year as far as like the way I want to present myself. Um, And I invested those. I did those separately, like separated by about a year of time. One was in March and one was in August, a year and a half later. And um, those have been kind of what carries me through. I mean, I obviously take a lot of photos and share those Um, on my social media over the years. But, you know, when it comes to doing talks and events and workshops or podcasts, I always have um, some photos and a diversity of them where I can just be like, I don't know, do you want one of me like hugging a tree or do you want one (laughs) of me drinking a smoothie on the counter? Like um, just being confident that you're like, oh, I don't just have this one awkward photo that my friend took on their iPhone Mm -hmm. uh, of me. So if that's what's going to give you confidence and help you feel like you're professional, it does definitely elevate your image. Um, and it doesn't have to be expensive. I'll be full disclosure. The first photo shoot I did was $350 and included 25 photos edited, which was a fantastic value. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel like it really captured my soul mm-hmm. business. I felt like my soul really needed to shine. And so I waited and I, I, you know, online stalked this photographer for months and months. And I, you know, saved up a lot of money. And the second photo shoot I did was $1,600. It was over a hundred photos in four different venues, uh, in actually three different venues, four different outfits. It was a full day. She spent eight hours with me. We had like a visioning session before about how I envisioned myself looking and feeling on that day. And it was really beautiful. Uh, those photos are more in my likeness than any other photos I've ever taken. So, you know, like everything in the, in the world, if you invest your money in it, um, you know, what's expense, what seems expensive usually holds quality and a lot of uh, high value. 
And um, I've been using those photos for a year solid right now. And I still have probably about 50 of them that no one's seen. So that's pretty special as well. Mm-hmm, definitely. And I think that just goes back to like being really um, strategic about when you might make that jump to that more expensive um, shoot, you know, photography shoot, because, you know, you could uh, do the friend with the iPhone for a little while or have like your $300 photo shoot and it's going to get you to the place where you need to be to then maybe invest a little bit more. But I think a lot of people think they need that right out of the get go. And I'm really um, happy that you shared that that didn't necessarily happen for you right from the beginning, because same for me, I just had a family friend take some photos of me, use them for quite a while, and then started investing in photo shoots. And um, I think that we need the photos because they really do connect with our audience and our community and potential clients. Um, But it's not a be all end all that if you don't invest a lot of money, um, doesn't mean you're going to move your business forward. I really don't think that's true, but it is a nice way to connect with people for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? Nowadays, there's so many beautiful stock photos out there that even if you do have, let's say, five great photos of you, different angles, maybe a different outfit, sitting in a kitchen, and then one on a couch, like just diversify it in such a small little way. Now you can go ahead and buy stock photos that still have the essence of feel of how you want your practice to be seen. Um, and just kind of um, mix and match those together. It doesn't have to be some expensive photo shoot. And, you know, not everybody's comfortable behind a camera too. So that's also something to consider. Um, It's pretty a vulnerable exercise, you know, Mm -hmm. being photographed and then sharing that with either hundreds or thousands of people. So, um, you know, that's also something to consider. It's not always just about the money, but it's also about the emotions and the energy behind it as well. Totally. I am like one of those people who giggles through my whole photo shoot. And I'm like, where do I put my hands? Where do I do this? Like photo shoots for me, I feel so awkward um, until I really get into it. But um, yeah, it's just for some people, it's really natural for some it's not. And I think that can be said for all of business, like there might be areas where someone's going to feel, you know, wow, I've got this. I'm so good at this. Like maybe it's social media. I'm so good at being consistent and posting online. But when it comes to scheduling my clients in, you know, I'm maybe not as good at that. So we really do have to try these things and then see where um, maybe we can put a little bit more energy and intention to make that area a little bit stronger for us, but it's not going to come all at once. It really comes over time. I've been in my business for five, over five years now, and I'm still learning like how to get all of the pieces together. So we do evolve, um, and grow as we go along. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so one of the other things that I really recommend putting money into that we were um, talking about is software. So I know that you talk a lot about on, on your podcast about uh, practice management softwares. And that was something I was like, nope, I'm not putting my money into because I want to make sure I have enough money before I buy the best one, which in my head was FM Logics, which is like a functional medicine um, software. Mm-hmm. And it's very like very functional. So very like symptom based and diagnostic. And I actually just bought practice better, um, two months ago in May and uh, a few months ago, and, uh, it's changed my entire practice. Um, it's brought so much ease and flow. I've now have everything in one place before I was using like a scheduling software and I was using Google forms and I was using an Excel spreadsheet and all of these things to track um, my, my practice and my clients. And I was emailing them through my personal work email and just like all of the things, um, kind of wrong. Like this is what not to do guys. Um, 
And finally just bought practice, uh, a practice software after uh, another practitioner was like, you don't have a software, like a, a practice management software, like really in like a judging, loving way. And I was like, no, I don't. She's like, wow, how are you even holding yourself together? And I was like, underneath my breath, like, I'm not, <laughs> you know, and I, I just look like I am, but I'm not. And so that was a game changer. And I really regret not just, you know, throwing the money at it. Uh, in the early days, a lot of the practice management software is if you only have a couple clients or only are going to do a couple invoices a month, they're free. Mm-hmm. And as you grow, those packages grow with you. Um, so now, you know, having seen over 100 different clients over the past two years, I'm like, how was I even considering managing this many clients on Google Forms? Like, mm-hmm. it just would have been silly. So practice software, 100%, that's something you need and let it grow with you as your practice grows for sure. Yeah, I love that. A lot of people ask me, do I implement it now, like from the beginning, because it's an expense. And just like you said, when you're starting out, you might want to pay yourself first versus putting money right back into the business. And I kind of give people two options. Like I I give them the, you know, straight up advice of what it looked like for me when something like Practice Better wasn't around when I was running my business. Um, So I was juggling all the things just like you. And that was really frustrating. It took a lot of my time. It took a lot of my energy. So I kind of paint the picture for these people asking, saying, you know, you could do it that way. And then when you get more clients, sure, implement a system. But what I really hope that everybody does is implement it from the beginning because let's imagine you've onboarded 20 clients, you know, you're doing really, really well, your business is growing, and now you want to implement a client management software. Well, now you need to migrate, you know, all of those 20 clients onto a software. That's going to take so much more time. That's going to take so much more energy. So starting with that from the beginning, you know, if it is affordable to you to do so, um, I 100% agree that that's the right move. Yeah. And the other thing um, when it comes to software is for me was meal planning. So I know that you are a fan of that clean life. Mm-hmm. And uh, I also would say it saved my nutrition life in a lot of ways. Uh, I remember being a student and looking at it, you know, getting the free one week trial and that kind of stuff. And I think it was like my third or fourth um, client in, and it was like very late at night. I had to deliver the protocol the next morning. I had already taken like however many days to like get it together and I was like on the verge of tears and I was like if I have to do one more meal plan in a word document and spend five more hours on you know designing this I'm gonna have like an actual breakdown so I just bought it on the spot and I was like okay I'll just buy it I'll do the meal plan tonight and I'll just see what happens so I bought at that time not the business subscription the business one but not the yearly one I just Mm. started month to month yeah and Within a few months, it had totally transformed the way I was um, designing meal plans and meal guides. I don't really do meal plans, but, um, you know, functional healing plans for my clients. And uh, I've gotten down to doing like a a meal guide for a strategic healing meal plan or guide for a client to like 15 or 20 minutes Mm -hmm. um, from five hours. So it was pretty life changing inside of my business and quickly just purchase, you know, the yearly subscription to save a little money month to month. And I've never looked back. I've been using that for two years now. And um, it's one of my favorite tools. And my clients love it. They rave about the meal plans and they always 
um, send me pictures of their favorites and stuff like that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it completely changed my practice too. I remember, um, yeah, I think that for fun, I'm actually in the show notes. So if you guys go over to the website, um, I'll make sure you get all the info after the episode. Um, I think what I'm going to do is put a screenshot of my first meal plan on my Word document uh, versus the That Clean Life one, just to show you guys the stark difference. Because just like Ashley's saying, um, my clients, when they saw this new meal plan, they were like, wow, they're, whoa, this is amazing. It looks so beautiful. I love the recipes. And I actually, I don't know if you felt this way, Ashley, but I felt very guilty. Like, do I need to tell them that this isn't my recipes and that I didn't, like I put it together, but I didn't like create it all. Uh, And I remember reaching out to that clean life and saying like, do I need to tell my clients that this isn't mine? And they're like, absolutely no, this is yours. You know, you it's branded as you like, you know, you don't have to say anything because it was just such a stark difference. And I really found that the quality that my clients felt like they were getting from me just shot out the roof. They were all so excited and happy to implement the meal plan. So I'll definitely give you guys a little sneak peek into the into the difference between the two. Oh, I can't wait to see it. Um, it's always fun to look back at how you evolve and how things change quickly. Even in uh, some of the handouts from my early day workshops, I'm just like, wow, this is this is interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so that's that's awesome. That'll be nice to share with the community. For sure. The other thing with the meal plans, I think it gives you, if anybody ever struggles with pricing or feeling like delivering value to their clients or anything like that in any of your programs um, or even a one-off appointments, um, you know, the meal plan really does up the value and um, kind of brings your uh, delivery of your protocol to the next level because it is so beautiful and it is so um, client friendly and well laid out. I have clients who actually, I tell them to you know, print it off, double-sided, be eco-friendly as possible. But, you know, just having it right there in front of them, their own healing uh, recipe book in their own kitchen is such a game changer for people who, you know, come home really hungry and don't know what to make on the fly, right? Um, So it's just a great resource and your clients will love it um, and their families um, as well. So Yeah, I completely agree. All right. So definitely practice management software, um, meal planning software. If you feel like you might need it, you know, a coach or a mentor, um, in a strategic way to move you forward. Um, was there anything else we said for investing? We talked about photography photography. and websites, which kind of go hand in hand. You're going to need some great photos of you to, um, to get up on your website as well. Yes, I completely agree. And I'm just going to talk about a pet peeve quickly. This is not to call anyone. Well, I guess maybe I am calling some people out here. (laughs) But one thing that like really bugs me genuinely is when you put so many stock photos of other people on your website. I don't know why, but this really gets to me. And it's, you know, you might do it and it's okay if that's the only thing you have. But to me, if I'm a client coming onto a website, I want to see you. I want to see the practitioner. I want to get to know you. And if all it is is stock photos of other people, I start to feel like it's like a business and I feel really, really separate from the actual person. Um, do you feel the same way? Yeah, I totally do. And I think that that just happens for some people out of a need, maybe not wanting to put their own photos, not wanting to show up in that way, or not even having the photos, which, mm-hmm. you know, is goes back to what we talked about. And even, um, you know, finding somebody to help you out with getting four or five together so you can get that website look and feel that you want. Uh, photos of you or photos of you in your office or environment. Like I, when I go to a website, I want to see who's this person, how can they help me and, you know, what, what do I expect? And sometimes that looks like, like a glimpse into the space or just a story about how, how they're going to help you. Right. Mm-hmm. So. 
yeah, definitely like the real life connection for sure. Yeah. But the, the pictures of like random people that have no connection to what you're looking for, the support that you need, then yeah, it's a little bit, it's, it's almost better just to put a, a cute uh, smoothie bowl, right? Yeah, exactly. I was just going to say like, for the love of God, don't put someone else's photo on your about page. <laughs> I don't think anyone would, but no. and, <laughs> we just want to make sure that at least like people feel that connection to you. I think um, that is like one of the number one things I usually recommend is that please have at least one photo of you on your website so you can connect with your audience. Um, so I know you had three big mistakes as your, uh, in your first year of being a holistic nutritionist. So what is number three? So number three for me is trying to be everything to everyone. And so this really comes from, I guess, being a, a junior nutritionist and being fresh into my business, I found myself really wanting to help everybody and anybody because I felt like I could, I felt like I had all this information, all of this, um, all of these strategies for healing that I could be like, okay, well, you have colitis. I can help you with that. You have SIBO. I also know how to treat SIBO. And you have some IBS. Don't worry. I've got you. And I felt like it was pulling me in 17 directions, which it was, mm-hmm. um, and exhausting me because every time you create a protocol or a healing plan for a different um, state of conditions or disease, you have to create that from nothing, right? From your own, um, your own education, but that takes hours and hours of research and all that kind of thing. Um, and really just pulls you out of what doing what you're great at. So for me, that was, that looked like a lot of long nights. (laughs) It looked like a few tears. It looked like a lot of overwhelm. I was just attracting clients in general, I wasn't being clear about who my ideal client was. I wasn't being clear about what I really wanted to treat. Meanwhile, behind the scenes in my head, I was like, I don't want to see somebody with SIBO. I want to help people with thyroid cancer. I don't want to see somebody with IBS. I want to help people with Hashimoto's, or I want to help people with PCOS or other hormone imbalances that I know are all directly um, intermingled there. And so I just wasn't saying that out to the universe. I wasn't saying that out to my community. I was just saying, I'm a nutritionist. And if you're struggling right now, I can help you. Um, and so that really burned me out pretty quickly. And also I found that it wasn't helping me pay the bills either. Mm, I see. So that was, it's hard. It's, it feels risky to say no to people. Um, when, you know, you know that you can help them, even though they have something that you don't want necessarily to help them with. Um, because you know that there's other people out there that are Crohn's practitioners and SIBO practitioners that can help them a lot deeper, a lot quicker um, than you just being this generalized um, people pleaser and practitioner to everyone. Yeah, definitely. I can totally understand that. And I remember the feeling of like, well, I mean, this was different when I ended up implementing, you know, somebody would fill out the intake form before the session. I really did that because I wanted to know, well, what is the issue that they're coming in with? Um, But I remember at one point I was just doing like, hey, come to the first meeting and we'll go over the intake forms um, and you'll fill them out with me. And I didn't know what that person's concern was. So I'd be sitting in this room with them, not knowing what was wrong with them and being really put on the spot to now have to pull from my bank of knowledge and feel like an expert on this thing I might not have a lot of information on. So I felt like it wasn't helpful for me. It caused a lot of stress and anxiety and it wasn't really helpful for them. Like you say, you know, I could have been sending them to a specialist or somebody that had more expertise in that area that could have really, really helped them with that one thing. 
Yeah, absolutely. And you know, that, that, um, energetic demand on yourself too, it really isn't just, fa- it isn't fair when you look at the, even if you are ch- charging thousands of dollars for that console, um, when you look at the energetic demand on yourself, it still just isn't fair. You're not paying yourself what you should for that amount of, you know, hours of research and, and, uh, kind of pulling up those knowledge banks as well. So, um, work in your zone of genius, you know, uh, you know, people in the trade, I always look at the trades industry for inspiration. Like people are a carpenter because they don't want to be an electrician and people are an electrician because they're not a great plumber. Um, and so it's really important that we kind of uh, adopt that, that philosophy in our own, um, in our own industry as well. Mm -hmm. Um, so that we get really clear, like, Hey, I'm actually a hormone expert and I can help you with anything hormonal related, but I'm not your girl for colitis. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. The thing that I hear a lot, and I'm wondering if you also have, have ever felt this way, but I get a lot of people feeling like they're just not an expert. Like, even though maybe they've gone through their own health challenge, they're like, but who am I to actually teach on this or call myself an expert? Has that ever been an issue for you? Or did you ever deal with that? Yeah, absolutely. I think that, you know, nobody is an expert overnight, but um, an expert is for me, it's like part mindset and then part, um, you know, practical education and knowledge. So you have to get really after you come out of nutrition school, I think you have what we call like this foundation of knowledge from uh, generalized nutrition. But if you do want to be an expert in something, you have to go ahead and really train yourself and dedicate hours and hours to reading, studying, consuming content. Uh, working with mentors and other people who are experts in that area so that you can really up-level your skills. Um, And a big thing for me was um, I'm now part of two naturopathic practices, and both of them are really fertility and hormone-focused. One is uh, a little bit more family-focused, pre- and postnatal care, and the other one is really prenatal-focused. So uh, dealing with, um, you know, daunting hormonal um, things like PCOS, endometriosis, when people are wanting to grow a family. And so those naturopaths there teach me so much about things from a functional level that I, we didn't even touch on in school. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I bring to, that to the table there, like my energy healing and energetic sides of things about emotional blocks around, you know, hormone balance and fertility and things like that, that I'm sharing with them. So finding that relationship, finding that level of mentorship um, is really also going to help you kind of cultivate those skills to become this expert. Um, and yeah, there's experts out there who are like, miles ahead of me. One of my mentors is someone named Jen Pike. And I actually work um, for her doing um, consults right now for her practice. And uh, she's definitely an expert. She's been a nutritionist for 20 years. What, how she uh, practices is really unique and different from me. And I have so much to learn from her, but I also, you know, bring my level of experience to the table, which also makes, you know, you as a practitioner listening so valuable. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Right. And I think the biggest takeaway of what I hear you saying is, you know, it doesn't just come right away, you know, you're done school and you're a complete expert, you can still um, position yourself in that way, but you're going to be learning, you're, you're constantly going to be growing, right? So maybe you stay a little bit broader, like I'm not saying you're just helping everybody, but you're staying a little bit more open. And over time, you're just getting way more specific about who you can help and how you can help them. Um, would you say that I'm just curious, would you recommend that right out of school, somebody get super clear on exactly who they can help? Or do you think that there's a little bit of time where they might want to play around with a few different potentials? 
I think you can go either way on this. I wouldn't want to say one thing is right or wrong. But for me, when I got really serious, when I got really clear on what types of clients I want to see, and I started saying no consistently to people, um, I started making more money than when I was just like, yes, I can help everybody. Yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember there was a scary moment. I had a, a client who had found me on Instagram. She was lovely. You know, those clients that always drop into your DMs and are cheering you on in all the ways and saying, oh, that looks so good. That's so yummy. How can you, I, I need you to help me. And it evolved into um, a consult or a discovery call. And um, on the discovery call, it's, she said, you know, she had some digestive issues and colitis. And I was like, okay, I, I could totally help her. Like anti-inflammatory diet. That's the basis of, you know, autoimmune healing. Like I can help. And so I got her to fill out forms. And when she sent me her medical intake, I was so nervous because she had had so many bowel resection surgeries that she only had 13 centimeters of her large intestine left. Mm -hmm. And as a practitioner, we know that, you know, that this is like a major issue uh, when it comes to digestive healing. And I felt like, wow, this is like, she's up against a wall. Like if somebody doesn't do this right, like this is the rest of her life. And she was only like mid fifties and um, you know, she was pretty desperate for help and had been through the dietitian system in the hospitals for, for years. And I remember being like, Oh my gosh, how am I going to help her? She only has 13 centimeters of her large intestine. Like this Mm -hmm. is crazy. Mm -hmm. And I went to bed that night. So overwhelmed. I had to see her the next day and I called her in the morning and I said, I'm so sorry. I can't help you. I didn't know who could, but I will find somebody. I'm going to send you an email with two people. And I just made it up. I'm going to refer you to that are experts that can help you with colitis because I know that I could help you, but it's not going to get you the goal that you want quick enough. And why not go see somebody who this is all they do every day, all day. Mm-hmm. And I said, I'm so happy that you chose me and trusted me and feel like you, you want my support, but I don't want to do you a disservice. And she responded, and I was all so nervous, you know, like knots in my stomach, like, oh, she's going to think I'm an idiot, like just letting her down. And she trusted me. And she said, that makes you the most amazing practitioner I've ever spoken to because you admitted that while you think you might be able to help me, that you wouldn't be the best person and you think that I deserve the best. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I realized then that there's so much power in referral. And so I constantly refer clients out to obviously the team of naturopaths that I work alongside and other nutritionists in the industry um, when they are outside of my comfort zone and when I know that I can't serve them um, in the best way. So that was a real moment where I was able to see that, you know, the quicker we narrow down and niche down into what our zone of genius is, the better we'll be able to serve people. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. That's really powerful because I think it's, you're so right. It can be so hard to say no when you're like, that's potential money. It's a potential client. It can just feel like, why would I not take this person in? But sometimes, you know, the, the strongest thing you could do or the smartest thing you could do is actually remove yourself from the situation and be like, what does this client actually need? And am I the best person to help them? So that's not, don't discount yourself. You do know a lot, right? Like, don't feel like, oh, I'm never going to be able to help anyone. I might as well refer everyone out. That's not what I'm saying. But truly, if you feel like that person could be better suited with another practitioner, um, 
refer out. Referrals, like you said, Ashley, are so strong. They're so important. And referring someone out actually, like you showed us, that actually strengthens you as a practitioner. It shows people that you are secure enough to refer out to somebody that maybe is a more um, expert in this thing. And that actually gives you a lot of power in the scenario too, and um, promotes your business and your integrity as well. Absolutely. And and you start to build this referral network, right? Where you have this team of nutritionists and naturopaths and psychotherapists and functional medicine doctors that you can confidently refer to that then say, wow, this is a practitioner that does know her zone of genius and they start to really respect you. And hopefully that referral relationships becomes really strong um, and supportive to you in the end anyways. Totally. And I even like to remind some of my clients that um, getting really clear on your focus or your niche or specialty, you know, this could look like, you know, let's say your friend um, goes out to a dinner party and meets someone who has um, colitis, just like you said. And they could say, oh, well, I have a friend that's a holistic nutritionist. She might be able to help right? Sure, there's a little bit of strength and power in that because that person might need help with nutrition. But let's say you were an actual expert in um, colitis or Crohn's or something like that. And you could say, um, or sorry, your friend would even say, "My, I have a friend who's a specialist or an expert in that area. That is weighted very, very differently. So the more clarity we can get, the more somebody can go out and be our business card for us and actually say, I know somebody that's really good in this area, and that's only going to strengthen our practice. And that gives the opportunity for other practitioners to actually refer to us as well. Because when we stay too broad and open, we risk you know, anyone seeing us as um, an expert in any one thing. Yeah, absolutely. And I just think back to my days of, of, um, looking for practitioners myself. Like I was looking for thyroid cancer experts. I was looking for Hashimoto's experts. I wasn't looking for, um, you know, the, the, I can do it all. I can be everything to everyone, uh, practitioner. You know, I was looking for an expert in what I was going through. And so I think it gives you a lot of a power in um, being discovered when you are like, I'm the PCOS expert. This is all I do. But if you have PCOS, I can help you. And, you know, we can move, um, you know, the picture really quickly from where you are to where you want to be in the next 12 weeks. It gives you a lot of power um, in that sense, because it just makes you more discoverable, I think, as well mm-hmm. to the people that actually really need you versus being, um, you know, uh, having this massive community of general interest. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, you've shared so many good points here, um, you know, getting out of that perfectionist mindset, um, making sure that you're putting your money as much as possible um, in the right places and making sure that you're getting a little bit more specific, not trying to be everything to everyone. I think these are all really helpful um, big mistakes that you shared because I know I've been through them. You've obviously been through them and I know so many people go through these same things. So thank you so much for sharing today. Oh, my pleasure. It was uh, really nice to be able to share this information with so many other practitioners that are out there doing amazing things. So thanks for having me. Yeah, you might uh, save a lot of people a lot of time and tears and (laughs) a lot of worrying. And now they can hopefully more confidently move into the first few steps of their practice and not worry that maybe they're the only one feeling these ways because like I said, you know, you felt this way. I felt this way. Um, It's not wrong. We just have to know that 
there's a way to move around these things. So yeah, thank you so much. Um, I am super curious uh, where people can find you, how they can follow you now and become a part of your community. Yeah. So this summer I'm taking a little Instagram break, but I often hang out on Instagram at the soulful sprout and uh, you can find me uh, on Facebook and uh, my website as well. The soulful sprout.com. Awesome. Thank you so much for that. I'll make sure everybody's linked everything. And yeah, I really just appreciate having you on. You are such a ray of sunshine. I'm so happy to have had you and your expertise. And yeah, thanks again. Thank you. Thanks for listening in. If you like this episode, feel free to leave us a review, share the episode with a friend, or take us on social media. Catch you next time.